Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again. Uh, beginning of the new year, we're finally past the uh, the introductory pages of the Book of Mormon. I'm here with my best friend. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Ike Stafford. Brother, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's genuinely a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, we uh, are going to be in uh, the first book of Nephi, chapter 1 through 5. So we're finally into the book. Um, and actually, it was, it's been interesting as we sat and chatted before we hit record here that there's so much here that is so well known by so many people in the church because, you know, first of the year, we make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to read the Book of Mormon every day. We get through five chapters and then we start over, right? I mean, we, we stop and then we start over. So this book, these chapters are probably some of the most well known. And because of that, we probably won't spend a lot of time giving context and storyline. Uh, maybe just briefly, but but really not focusing there, but focusing on some principles that I think we found that that I think are really relevant today. So, um, you though, before we start, you have had a baby. I mean, you, you didn't, but yeah, your wife no, did. Yes, my wife had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your little, new little baby. Oh, we are just thrilled. We just feel so blessed. The Lord is so good to yeah. us, Matt. Um, yeah. Baby Rachel, and she's now two and a half months old, mm-hmm. and. You know, it just brings a, a beautiful, sweet spirit into the home, having a, have a baby and the older siblings, of course, helpful and yeah. just love their, their baby sister. Yeah, I'm going to share that you have a few children. I think I do, a couple, yeah. A couple, can you name them? Sometimes. In order. <laughs> They're all biblical names, scriptural names. They are. Yeah. They are. Can, I, I really want you to try to name all 10 of your children. Oh, <laughs> let's see if I can do this. Okay, go. Miriam, J.L., Isaac, Samuel. Phoebe, Ruth, Ephraim, Silas, Emmanuel, and baby Rachel. I love it. I love it. And they are just as wonderful as you are, all of them. Uh, they're a, they're oh, a blessing. They're fun. I really like them. Good family. Yeah, my wife is just an incredible mother. Right. So blessed. She's yep. been so blessed with marriage and family. The Lord's been so good to me. Yeah. And, and I was not um, being facetious when I said you're a best friend of mine. We, in fact, we we'll, we'll plan to go out with our wives this weekend, right? So, so this is fun for me to sit with you and and have this. We we finally get to work together at the institute, and we've been in the same stake for a lot of years now, and yeah. and working together. So, so with that, um, and anything else you want to say, and then we jump in. Well, yeah. yeah. Did you have somewhere where you wanted to start? Or? No, I, I'm, I'm happy to let you begin well, us. I just feel like I want to start by saying, that, you, you know, the Come Follow Me material for this week, one of the things that it focuses on is the value of the scriptures. Yeah. And um, as, for the listeners, I'm sure you guys recognize this, but beforehand, uh, Brother Sunson and I, we, we met together and talked about some things, and then Matt just offered a prayer. And one of the things you mentioned in the prayer right before we recorded 
and you might not have thought too deeply about this, but you gave thanks to heaven for the scriptures and for those, the language you used for, was for those who have been slain, mm-hmm. slain so that we can have the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful for that, for that prayer and I'm so grateful that we have these scriptures and for all those who have sacrificed yeah. so that we can have these just precious, 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 valuable words for us today. And of course, praise be to God for his son, who of course made all of this possible. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because I think that was, that came to my mind because we've been talking about Laban. We're going to get to Laban here in a minute, but talking about Laban and even Laban, the bad guy, uh, was slain that Nephi could have the scriptures, Mm -hmm. right? That that, uh, you think about Mormon, you think about all those throughout the uh, the scriptures and that uh, that gave their lives, and then and then Joseph in our day, and how many prophets, whether they're slain or not, apostles and prophets. Uh, was it Elder Bednar uh, gave a talk where he talks about how prophets and apostles wear out their lives for us after they get called to that holy holy position, because at that point their whole life becomes proclaim the gospel till you die, and so they literally wear out their lives that we might have scripture, that we might have yeah. counsel and direction. And so whether Nephi was slain or not, he wore out his life that yeah. I might have what I have today. So grateful for that. I think yeah. it's cool. Very cool. Let's do this. Let's just summarize chapter one, chapter two. Uh, again, this being maybe something that we have read maybe more than anything else, uh, the context of the story, maybe we give in 30 seconds. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do that. And I think that's wise because I think we want to spend a lot of time on some of the principles in chapter 3 and 4. Yep, yep, agreed. So first, Nephi, what happens is Nephi's given a little bit of background of what's happening in Jerusalem and his family. Yep. And Nephi, or excuse me, Nephi's father, Lehi, he sees a vision in which he sees the destruction of Jerusalem because the people are wicked. Yep. Lehi then is called as a prophet, is asked to go tell the people of Jerusalem, hey, you're going to be destroyed unless you repent. Yep, yep. So chapter 2, then he takes his family out into the wilderness, um, and Laman and Lemuel are not having a good experience. Even Nephi maybe isn't having the best experience, um, but Nephi prays and learns that his father's a visionary prophet and that he's being given some very specific instructions. So, so with that as a context, maybe we back up just a hair. There's maybe three things to touch on in here that, that isn't contextual, maybe principle-based, uh, that might be applicable to the young adults in the church. Um, so can we just jump and look at, you'd pointed this out, and I, I actually love it, so I, I don't want to miss it. Verse 14 of chapter 1, halfway through, says, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. Now, this comes right after Lehi saw the destruction of Jerusalem. Yep. Right? He's saying, Oh, great, how wonderful you are. And then he goes on and he says, And because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee, that they shall perish. Teach everybody what you taught me about why... Lehi would say how wonderful the Lord is right after watching the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah, and I think his point is really powerful that he uses the word mercy twice after seeing the destruction. But we look at a cross-reference in 2 Nephi 25, and this is speaking specifically about the Jews, but I'm sure this applies to all people. But But it is said in 2 Nephi 2, 25, never hath any of them been destroyed, any people, the Jews, 
hath any of them been destroyed, save it were foretold them by the prophets of the Lord. Mm. So God is not going to allow any of these generations of the Jews to be destroyed unless he first sends prophets to warn them and say, repent. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what Lehi is doing, right? We have Jeremiah in the same town doing the same things. Probably they would have known each other um, being prophets of, of the same faith, right? Uh, so that's why he's viewing this as a great and glorious God who's warning his people and giving them a chance. Not only all the people, but Lehi is given a chance to leave here, right? Maybe we touch on the very last verse in this chapter as well. That is, uh, I think, maybe the whole purpose of the Book of Mormon. And uh, I love that it's at the very end of the first chapter that Nephi writes. He says, here's something that's important. Um, he says uh, that he's talking about how the Jews were angry with his dad. They tried to cast him out. They wanted to slay him. They tried to stone him and <clears throat> that they might take his life. And then he says this, But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen. Here's, here's why he chose them because of their faith, to make them mighty even unto the power of, de of deliverance. They were made mighty because of their faith. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the Savior's power that comes to us, right? The enabling power of the atonement that makes Nephi mighty enough to break the bands, to loose the bands, to not be touched by his brothers, to uh, withstand all of the yuck that his brothers were given. He's, my, he's a mighty soul because the, the enabling power of the atonement came to him. Moroni, same thing, right? Yeah. Mighty guys. Be, and Alma, I mean, all these, all these prophets. This is this line, the tender mercies of the Lord, Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith, to make them mighty is the whole purpose of the Book of Mormon. You and I can be made mighty because of the Savior if we remain faithful. Yeah. Right? Can you add on that? Yeah, well, with that becoming mighty, look at the next chapter. Yeah. His brothers are complaining, and then we get to verse number 16. Yeah. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature. I love that he just throws that in. <laughs> like, I was a big dude. <laughs> just so you know. Not re really relevant to the story, but just so you know. Nevertheless, uh, being large in stature, also ha having great desires to know the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart mm. that I did believe all the words of my father. So it references that his heart had been hard. Right? Yeah, if his, if his heart, if he had to cry unto the Lord to get his heart softened, what does that mean about his heart? Yeah, he'd been hard. He'd have been maybe a little like his brothers at the beginning. Yeah. So, so that power to make mighty, if you act in faith the Lord can soften your heart so that you can then become more, right? Yeah. Uh, and just one more verse maybe here that, uh, that I love. Uh, Sam, the next mm -hmm. verse, verse 17. I spake unto Sam, making known unto him the things which the Lord hath manifest unto me by his Holy Spirit. And it came to pass that he believed in my words. Sam probably went at some point and got his own witness from the Lord. But at this point, he didn't need to know. On, on, in that way, he just learned from his younger brother. Yeah. You taught me before here, before he recorded that Sam is actually an older brother of Nephi. I, I don't know how I missed that. But <laughs> older brother to Nephi and uh, learning from his younger brother, and that was enough. He didn't yeah. need to go have the same kind of experience that Lehi had, that Nephi wanted. Um, but he was able to become because of that. 
spiritual gifts. Yeah, what a great what a great spiritual gift that right. Sam has, right? Nephi has his spiritual gift, but Sam also has his spiritual gift to believe on somebody who has his own witness. And yeah. I think that brings great comfort to all of us yeah. who don't have Nephi experiences. Right. But we can believe on the Nephi experiences, yeah. and that is a spiritual gift. I love that. And I think that takes us into chapter 3. So let's go there. Chapter 3, and it came to pass, verse 2. Yep that my father spake unto me, saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream in the which the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brethren shall return to Jerusalem. Yeah. Why are they going back to Jerusalem? Because they need the scriptures. They don't have the scriptures. Right. They need them. Yeah. So, um, verse number four, Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brother should go to the house of Laban mm -hmm. and seek the records and bring them down hither into the wilderness. So, the commandment's pretty specific. Yeah. The objective is pretty clear. Verse 5, go ahead. Uh, now behold, thy brothers murmur. This is, Le this is Lehi speaking, right? Saying, it is a hard thing which I have required of them. Behold, I have not required it of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord. Man, there's something there, isn't there? When prophets speak, do we blame the prophet? <laughs> like, who is he to tell me what I should do? Like, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Either you believe in a prophet or you don't, right? Uh, then verse 6, Therefore go, my son, and thou shalt be favored of the Lord, because thou hast not murmured. What a terrific principle, by the way. Yeah. Being favored of the Lord because <laughs> thou hast not murmured. We won't talk about that, but let's go to verse 7. Well, and there's just a little bit of foreshadowing in that verse too, right? You're going to be successful because you didn't murmur. Mm -hmm. And and when we think about what happens when they go, they're not successful <laughs> when their brothers are involved, right? When his brother, there's, lot, there's lots we're going to yep. talk about here. So, Okay, verse 7. It came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the thing which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he hath commanded them. And can I just say, I know this is true. God will not ask us to do something unless he provides a way. Yeah. And that's, that really is Nephi's, one of his primary messages to us. Mm -hmm. When God asks you to do something, he will provide a way. Mm -hmm. Then the next part of it, and it will go super smoothly. No, that's not in there. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, I, I know this is, this is true. I know it's absolutely true. And I think about young adults and you know this term decade of decisions. I love this because I feel like a lot of young adults are in this decade of decisions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're, they're feeling like, they're not getting direction, or they're getting direction and things are not working yeah. as, as well as they would like them to work. Let's see how things, how well things unfold for Nephi. Yeah. Um, one advantage I think Nephi has here, just a little bit of commentary, is that he's pretty certain that the objective, of what the objective is, yeah. and that it comes from the Lord. Get the plates. You're supposed to do that. With young adults sometimes, I think they, they sometimes, we, not necessarily just young adults, but yeah. sometimes we feel like maybe we know what the Lord wants us to do, but sometimes we're a little bit uncertain of mm -hmm. what He wants us to mm -hmm. do, and then we get it kind of in an uncom uncomfortable yeah. spot. Yeah. So maybe we'll come back to that concept. Yeah. But let's see how Nephi approaches this okay. situation. Okay. So, in verses 9 through 14, as they go back, um, why don't we just summarize that part? Sure. Yeah, they go back... Uh, into, into Jerusalem, and I don't know how far it is. At one time I did a little bit of a study, and 
Maybe it's as far as 180 miles, which maybe would have been a 14-day journey one way to get there. So there's a lot of time talking and, you know, figuring, trying to figure it out. But they get there and they really don't have a, an idea um, as to what they were going to do. Uh, so they consulted with each other as soon as they get there. Verse 11, they cast lots. Lot fell on Laman the first time to go in. Now, Laman's the oldest brother. Um, and he just goes into Laban's house and says, hey, I'd, I'd kind of like the record that you have, you know, the scriptural record. Can I, can I just have that? And uh, it's interesting. He, he's, he claims it as the genealogy of my father. That's, that's what he's asking for. Mm-hmm. You and I would know it as scripture. Laman maybe knew it as scripture, but Lehi definitely knew it yeah. as scripture, right? I mean, that Nephi knew what they were trying to get. But uh, and maybe Laban, Laman is just trying to downplay it, like it's just a genealogy. No, who cares about that? We don't. We don't. You know, it's not that big a deal. And then verse thirteen. Yeah, we need to read that one. Go ahead. Okay. Behold, it came to pass that Laban was angry and thrust him out from his presence, and he would not that he should have the records. This is the interesting part. Wherefore he said unto him, Behold, thou art a robber, and I will slay thee. That's not at all true. Laban literally, according to this story, literally just walked in, said, hey, Laban, I would like to have that record. Is that okay? Laban says, no, you're trying to rob me and I'm going to kill you. Like, whoa, right? A, a lot going on there. A lot going on there. That, and, and we'll come back probably to that. Yep. Very but, it's Im- but it's important yeah. to have that there. So, so keep that in your brain. Uh, let's keep going. So Laban fled, uh, ran away, gets away, uh, meets his brothers, um, and... Uh, they wanted to go back to Jerusalem. They just were like, well, it didn't work. Well, let's go back. Yeah. And Nephi's like, no, no, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. We're here for a reason. We walked 14 days for a reason, or however far it was, right? I love how this, how Nephi responds, and we'll just call them failed attempts because okay. there are a couple of failed attempts here. But I love how he responds with pure testimony yeah. to inspire his brothers. Right in verse number 15, he says, but as the Lord, uh, but behold, I said unto them that as the Lord liveth, and as we live, we will not go down to our Father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. Mm. And then he goes on and he, he inspires them more and he talks about some of the past experiences and he just testifies to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love, I love uh, you're right that there are failed attempts to accomplish the thing that the Lord has sent them to do, right? This first time going in, Laman did not accomplish the thing. Maybe it goes back to to Lehi's promise that uh, Nephi would be favored because of his lack of murmuring, right? Mm -hmm. Laman was not going to be successful in that from the very beginning. But but it doesn't mean that it was a total fail. We'll come back to that. Um, But but I, I think it's important for us to look at these events and not just see them as failed attempts. They weren't listening to the Spirit. They, they just kind of did their own thing. Because I don't know that that's true. I don't know if that's what was going on here. So, But you're right that, that Nephi then bears powerful testimony mm-hmm. and teaches his brothers, right? All, all yep. older, now that I know that. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know that before. Okay, so 15, he's bearing powerful testimony. Uh-huh. Invites them again in 16. Let's be faithful. And let's go down again. Try it again. Um, Can I just add yeah. in there again because the the come follow me material for this week, which I think is brilliant, I, I, I want to make sure we catch this. One of the things that focuses on again is the value of the scriptures. Yeah. So in this first testimony that he gives after the first so-called failed attempt, 
verse number 20, he says, we're trying to do this, and also that we may preserve unto them, our children, our posterity, that we may preserve unto them the words which have been spoken by the mouth of the holy prophets. Yeah. Well, in 19, he says that we may preserve unto our children the language of our fathers. Mm -hmm. that, so that's the first thing. And, and, and in our day, we view that as like, well, yeah, we wouldn't want to lose the language and speak you know, their native language. And I don't know if that's what he means. Uh, it might be that he is saying the way they spoke, what they spoke of, how they spoke. Um, because the next thing being the words of which were spoken by the holy prophets, right? Uh, probably the language was a thing. But, um, but, but maybe he's also just referencing we didn't want to lose the words of our fathers, the yeah. language of our fathers, yeah. the way they spoke. Interesting. So, so uh, he, he's successful in, in counseling his brothers back in, right? Yes-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it seems like they're still... Um, verse 21, uh, I did persuade my brethren that they might be faithful in keeping the commandments of God. Okay, yeah. so, they're, so they're in. Yeah. Right? Verse 22, and it came to pass that we went down to the land of our inheritance and we did gather together our gold and our silver and our precious things. Yep. We went, we went to Laban. Went into Laban and we said, hey, Laban, me and my brothers now, we, we really just want that record, the genealogy of our dad. What if we gave you all our stuff? Let's, let's buy them from you. Yeah, is that okay? Can we, can we buy them from him? Now listen to Laban's response. Laban's response. He says, It came to pass when Laban saw our property, that it was exceedingly great, he did lust after it, insomuch that he thrust us out and sent his servants to slay us, that he might obtain our property. So the first time they go in, Laban's alone. Laban says, you're trying to rob me. I'm going to slay you. Second time, he robs them and then tries to slay them. Yep. That, these are important events because of what we're coming to, okay? Um, and I love verse, <laughs> verse 26 at the end. They, they're fleeing, and he says, we were obliged to leave behind our property. <laughs> I love that word. Yeah, just uh, nonchalantly. Yeah, oh, okay, we'll see. It seems <laughs> now that we must have to leave our property behind to preserve our life. So, so then we get Laman angry. Uh, he, Lemuel hearkened to Laman, and they're fighting, and uh, hard words against him, against his dad. Everybody's crazy, what are we doing, and uh, hitting him with a rod. Yeah, there's, there's so much here we could, we could spend time on. But yeah, Can we just talk about these failed attempts sure. for, just, for just a moment? Yeah. I just think that a lot of times, I, I think back in my own experience, especially when I was a young adult, um, I would have a difficult time when I felt like I was heading in the direction that the Lord wanted me to go, yeah. and then I would face opposition, right. that I'd have failed attempts. Yeah. And, and I have a couple of experiences that were really painful for me and really trying for me to, to think, am I really doing what the Lord yeah. would have me do? But this idea of when the Lord has something He asks us to do, it doesn't mean that it's going to go smoothly. Yeah. Do you have any experiences from your life that, that you'd feel comfortable sharing where you Amen. felt comfortable, that, confident that you were on the Lord's errand, that you were doing what He wanted you to do. <laughs> yeah. But you were met with opposition. Oh yeah. So when I, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've said much about this. I, I was a choir director before I was working for the church. I uh, spent ten years in the public schools um, conducting at Boise High, and uh, was an okay teacher. I, I've sat on a district-wide board. Um, that was 
to develop new teachers and to improve old teachers' skills. And, and I traveled all over the country and looked at different teachers and saw their skills and, and learned from them and came back and tried to expound my knowledge of teaching to uh, the, the whole district. And it was a pretty small group, five teachers, I think, mm -hmm. maybe, that uh, were asked to do that. And, and uh, so when I got hired by the church, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to walk in and just teach the gospel now instead of teaching music. And, and what I didn't realize was sometimes in a seminary classroom, all the kids don't really want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was so different for me because as a choir director, you don't sign up for choir unless you want to sing, right? I mean, everybody yeah. generally wanted to be in the room. And on the odd occasion when the kid didn't want to be there and somehow they just landed there, it was pretty easy for me to be like, hey, let's, let's find another place for you. You can just be an aide for me. You don't have to, you don't have to do this thing yeah. that we're doing. And so I knew I was supposed to be working for the church now. That was, had become very clear, gone through a very heavily vetted process to get hired, um, you know, where you have some, some leaders in the church watching you teach, and, and, and to get hired is a pretty significant thing. But uh, I thought I was going to be okay teaching. And I remember my first week being like, oh, man, this is different. I thought it'd be easy. It's the gospel. Who doesn't want to learn yeah. the gospel, right? But, but there's some in those moments that I had to, had to learn to love and learn to find ways in to, in to teach them. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, but I was doing what the Lord told me I was supposed to be doing. I knew that. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it can be challenging. Yeah, you know, I think about um, an experience from one of uh, my institute students this year and. And I asked her if, if I could talk about the story, and, and she said that, that would be fine. But she was, at a, she was at a university studying. She wasn't in Boise. She was at a univer different university studying, and she just felt like she needed to transfer to, down to this university where she would attend Boise, um, the, the Boise Institute here. And that experience she talked about was very, very uncomfortable, recognizing that the Lord wanted her in a different location. Mm -hmm. And then I remember asking her questions like, well, once that happened, once you felt like you needed to, to move, did everything go easily? And she's like, oh, no, it was, it was terrifying. <laughs> it was difficult. It was a journey. But just because we have adversity in our process does not mean that it's wrong. Yeah. In fact, that adversity is still going to come. Yeah. And a lot of times that opposition will be stronger when we're trying to do what the Lord would have us do. We're going to come back around to all of these experiences and talk about how sometimes because of adversity, we think we aren't doing what the Lord wants us to do, mm -hmm. especially when yeah. it's things that it hasn't been really clear that this is what the Lord wants. Yeah, absolutely. Right? We, we think we're doing what the Lord has asked us to do, but it's hard. And so because an angel didn't show up and say, you're supposed to go get the plates, we think maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do because mm -hmm. it's not happening easily for me. And so then we question, and I think... Especially during that decade of decisions, we flounder maybe. We flounder because it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do because this isn't working like I thought it would. It's not easy. It's not happening for me the way that I think it should happen or the way that I'm seeing other people it happened for. And so that decade of decisions becomes a, a floundering time for many, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Rather than looking for a foundation to build on, um, we begin to look for um, tasks to accomplish, right? Like, like I'm supposed to finish my degree. Mm 
and and that and once I finish my degree, then 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 I'll know what job I want. <laughs> okay, and then I'm supposed to get married, right? The task of getting married is my task, right? Ultimately, though, th we know that that's eventually something God wants for you, right? That you could provide for your family, yep. that you could uh, be celestially married, eternally yep. married. That that happens in that ten year window. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that that's God's plan for you. But I do know that that principle, the, the principles of being you know, fulfilling your divine potential, your divine uh, design, is God's desire for Absolutely, you. Absolutely, yeah. right. And so, so do I. Do I say, well, as soon as I've accomplished the task, I have. I, I have accomplished what God wanted me to do, or do I walk down the path saying, I'm going to become a provider. I'm going to become someone who can be eternally married. And rather than looking to the event as the outcome, accomplish, get the plates, right? I, when I get the plates, I know I've accomplished what the Lord wanted me to accomplish. That's true. When you get married, you've accomplished eternal marriage, right? Or at least you've begun an eternal marriage. Yep. The, those hold to the rod kind of concept comes after that, right? But, but, but ultimately, the objective is not the, is not the process, the, the objective is the end game goal, and the process to get there uh, is maybe more like a math problem that you got to learn how to do and how to how to figure the equation out. Yeah, um, getting the answer is great, but that's the whole point of life is to get through the equation, right? Yeah, and sometimes we just want the Lord to fast forward that process. Yeah. Like we we just we. We don't want that uncertainty, or we feel uncomfortable with that uncertainty, or I don't know how I'm going to get here, and I wish yeah. the Lord would just show me how this is going to work out. Yeah, yeah. Because Nephi knew perfectly how this was going to work out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he knew what the outcome was, right? He, he knew the end outcome. I what will it would get be. the plates somehow, but the first attempt to do it the way that came to his mind wasn't successful. The second attempt to do it that way that came to their mind wasn't successful. I mean, literally the first time it was by chance. Let's cast lots and see who, yep. right, how, who should go. Second time it was like, hey, let's just try to do it together. <laughs> Maybe safety in numbers, right? So their best ideas at the time, I don't know that it's fair to even say that because by saying that, we, we eliminate the spirit as part of the process. Yeah. We eliminate God as part of the process. I wonder, so Nephi has, we know he has cried unto the Lord and the Lord softened his heart. Yeah. So certainly prayer was part of this. Yeah. I wonder what his prayers were like. Yeah. I wonder if they prayed, I, I mean, this is certainly reading between the lines and, and taking some, some liberty, but I wonder what they prayed for. Yeah. I wonder if after they, the first failed attempt, they said, let's, let's pray about this. And what, what about this? Oh, and maybe they felt really, really good about this idea to go, Get all their stuff. I mean, it seems like a great idea to me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go trade, trade or, it. or buy the, yeah. the, the records. We've got all this stuff. This is going to work. Maybe they were very excited about it. And yeah. then, whoa. That didn't work. Uh, we were obliged to leave our things lest right. we be killed, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and, and so, so let's get to the third attempt because this yes. is a successful one. And then we'll back up and we'll kind of look at ultimately what, what I think the Lord's trying to teach us here. Let's not leave out the part where after the second failed attempt, things are going so bad. bad that, that Nephi and Sam are getting beat right. with a rod. Right. Then an angel appears. Right. <laughs> but after the angel appears, it's not like Lamb and Lemuel are like, all right, let's go do this. This will work. Yeah, they still are murmuring. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. But Nephi testifies again and says, hey, right. 
God did this great thing for Moses. He can do awesome things for yeah. us. Let us go up. Be strong like unto Moses. Let's be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord, right? So. Yep. Now go to 4.4. Four. Okay. Now, when I had spoken these words, they were yet wroth and did still continue to murmur. Nevertheless, they did follow me up until we came without the walls of Jerusalem. And it was by night. And I caused that they should hide themselves without the walls. And after they had hid themselves, I, Nephi, crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban. Can you imagine? You're with your three older brothers. They're complaining. You're the youngest brother. And you're like, just, just stay here. I'll, I'll go handle this. <laughs> Holy cow. Then verse 6. And I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Let's talk about that. What did that feel like for him that night? Was it like goosebumps, turn left, turn right, <laughs> run one mile, right? I mean, what does that led by the Spirit mean? Uh, is it hindsight looking back saying, I now know I was led by the Spirit? Or in the moment did he recognize I was being led by the Spirit and I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I knew, I, I knew where to go? I knew how to get to what I, where I was yeah. supposed to be. I don't know. We don't know the answer. Wouldn't it be neat to interview Nephi and ask him those yeah. questions? Yeah. What is it that caused Nephi to say that? Yeah. I was led by the Spirit. So he goes forth. Yes. And now relevance to our lives, yeah. right? So when, when we feel like we know the end goal, right? Mm -hmm. We know that God wants us to have a celestial marriage. Yep. Uh, we know that he wants us to... Pro Provide, preside, protect. Yep. If, if we're fathers, he wants us, if for the women, right, wants us to have children, wants us to have family, those Nurture, things he wants, right? right? Yeah. So Nephi knows about the plates. He knows that's going to be the end yeah. outcome. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. Yeah. Similarly for us, I mean, I think about for young adults, a lot of them, it's important, this idea of dating sometimes is a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. How does a person date? Yeah. How do I start that process? What happens if I get? What, what happens with failure? What happens if I get turned down? Well, and isn't it interesting? Because if we <clears throat> if we correlate Nephi's first I'm doing air quotes failed attempts uh, at getting the plates to failed attempts at dating, we might say there was no spirit involved in that. The Lord did not say date this girl. I dated her for like six months and it didn't work out. The Lord was mm -hmm. never a part of that. No, that's not true. There were some learning experiences that happened along the way. And so when I found the right one, and now I know the Spirit was leading me, oh, this is who she is. This is what it feels like, right? I think we can make some correlations here that, that the process, and again, we're going to come to this, the process of failed attempts helps us recognize when, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And it may not be any more Spirit-filled than the failed attempts were, but now when it all clicks and it's all right, Oh, yeah. this is what I was supposed to learn. This is where I was supposed to be, yeah. how it was supposed to go down, right? Same spirit, probably, just a little different outcome in how it yeah. came about, right? So he, uh, he gets there, right? Led by the spirit, went forth, came near into the house of Laban, sees him drunk, right? Yep. Uh, dry, draws his sword. This is the sword that's going to stay with Nephi and be pa passed down clear till Joseph, Right, the sword of Laban is something that Joseph Smith sees in the in the Hill Cumorah when he when he gets the plates. So this is the sword that is gonna. It's interesting. We don't really hear much about this sword from this point till 
you know, Joseph sees it in the in the hill, but it's kind of cool that, that that sword stuck around. Um, and constrained by the Spirit that he should kill Laban, right? Compelled by the Spirit. I don't know that, that what would that feel like? The Spirit is telling you to kill someone? Yeah. Like, that, that seems contrary to what the Spirit would say. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. So how is it that Nephi is commanded to take somebody's life? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, it's a question I've had many times in a seminary class. Good, faithful, young learners in the church, maybe even many of us that are older, wonder, isn't there a commandment that I shouldn't kill people and now all of a sudden I'm, Nephi is being told to kill someone? Is, is that okay? Can, 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 should God do that? Uh, I don't know. It feels a little funny, right? Yeah, and, and obviously the answer, one of the answers to that question is, yeah. well, yeah, God commanded it, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important to recognize, and, and I think maybe you, you know more about this than I do, but sure. Nephi is legally, he is on solid ground, yeah. right? Aside from the commandment, aside yeah. from the Spirit saying it's time to take Laban's life because right. that's the only way to get these plates and yeah. pre preserve your, your posterity, the blessings for your posterity. But he's also on solid legal ground. So um, I just did a Google search on uh, BYU scholars about Nephi slaying Laban, was yeah. that okay? Good, and, yeah. and what I found is that, um, for example, one of the options that came up here was John W. Welsh wrote an article for BYU that says that there's evidence to show that Nephi's slaying of Laban should be understood as protected manslaughter rather than criminal homicide. Hmm. And then he goes through and he gives some historical concept, context and he gives some scripture references that kind of lay that foundation for why it would have legally been appropriate or okay, at sure, least, sure. For, for Nephi to, to do this. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because Nephi goes on here and he says, Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. There, there is scriptural precedence for the children of Israel going into the promised land and slaying the wicked um, and, and doing so under God's direction mm -hmm. to do this if they don't convert and follow, right? And, and so this isn't the first time that a righteous person or group of people has been told to kill someone by God. Um, but it's a time where there was no fighting. There's no war. We've got a drunk guy passed out. Yeah. And, and it yeah. seems like, is this necessary? Do I need to kill? Does Nephi need to do this? And it's interesting the way that the, the, way the scriptures claim it here because they, Nephi only gives a spiritual answer. You, what you've said and what we're going to jump into really quickly is that there's some legal background here. Um, but in verse 13, Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring, to forth his, bring forth his righteous purposes. This is a spiritual reason. And then the next part, It's better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and, and perish in unbelief. That's a spiritual reason. Right? These are spiritual reasons yeah. that Nephi gets. He doesn't go to the law. He probably knew the law, but he doesn't go there. He doesn't, he doesn't cite, I was totally fine within the with parameters of the law, That's allowed me to kill yeah. Laban, right? He doesn't do that. Uh, I don't know how much he knew the law, um, but, but probably pretty well. They were all pretty versed in the Mosaic law, especially. Um, so, so can we take some time? Can, we, can yeah. we look at that? Yeah. So let's back up just a little bit now, and let's look at... Um, the first attempt, right? They go in, and it's just Laban and Laban. And Laban, and, uh, Laban just asks for them. And Laban says, 
No. And not only that, verse 13 in chapter 3, he says, Wherefore he said unto him, Behold, thou art a robber, and I will slay thee. Well, you and I know Laban's not trying to rob Laban. He just asked him if he could have the plates. Not only that, the, the threat is, I'm going to kill you because you wanted these from me, and you're mm -hmm. trying to steal them from me. All of which is a lie. All of the, 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 the punishment does not fit the crime of just requesting the plates, right? Fast forward a little bit more to the second attempt. And similarly, when Laban saw our property, verse 25 of chapter 3, he uh, lusted after it and uh, thrust us out uh, and sent his servants to slay us. So, we might, so now he has actually stolen the property himself and then threatened to kill us. Tried to, yeah. Right? So, so with that as the context, let's back up a thousand years and look at the Mosaic Law. Right? Mosaic Law. We go back to Deuteronomy chapter 19. This is just interesting to me. I don't know that this is was flowing through Nephi's brain that night, but this law existed and was on the books. For, for one reason or another, the Lord established this law through the prophet Moses to be a, a law that the people lived by. Chapter 19 of Deuteronomy, verse 16. If a false witness rise up against any man, or if a, a false Laban rise up against uh, Laman, to testify against him that which is wrong. Uh, in other words, if, if somebody in court is standing up and lying about what somebody else said, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. Okay. First, we're supposed to stand before the Lord. So there is no righteous man to take the, this controversy to. So Nephi's left to stand before the Lord, which is the first person you're supposed to stand before anyway. Okay, so take this controversy toward to the Lord or to these righteous judges. Verse 18, And the judges, Lord being judge of all, shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, if Laban's lying and had testified falsely against his brother that he was trying to rob them. Now listen to this. Then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. In other words, yep. if somebody says they were trying to steal from me and I, and I threatened them that I was going to kill them and it's found out that that's actually a lie, they were just trying to trade or give or just ask for, and there was no real threat of life, but you threatened them with death, according to the law, then you do unto him as he had thought to have done unto you. You kill him. Laban committed his own sentence by saying, I'm going to kill you, yeah. and falsely accusing them of, of, of thievery, right? So was that flowing through Nephi's brain that night? I don't know. But for one reason or another, the Lord established the law so that Nephi was completely within the bounds to have killed Laban if this thing had gone to court and been able to be righteously judged. That would have been the outcome. And so the Lord just eliminated the middlemen in the righteous judges that didn't exist in Jerusalem and said, through the Spirit, this is what I want you to do. Kill Laban. So the first attempt. Yeah. Well, let me, let me give you a reference because uh, I don't want this to be seen as something that I have taught. Um, uh, Elder uh, Bednar, in an evening with the general authority uh, in 2020, okay. um, says, uh, he goes into this idea, and, and I think this is where I want to stay for a few minutes, this idea that if I don't recognize the Spirit, the Spirit must not be with me. Yeah. 
right? That, that if I don't feel goosebumps or however I feel the Spirit, if I don't feel like that, then the Spirit's probably not with me. Nephi goes the first time, they cast lots. Who should go in? Their best idea that night was cast lots. Figure out who should go and just ask. Because that didn't work, almost all of us will walk out of that experience and say, well, the Spirit definitely wasn't there because that didn't accomplish what it was supposed to. My best idea was not being led by the Spirit. Or was it? Because what happened? Laban, Laban dug his own grave, right? Second attempt. Well, let's go a little farther into that one. The best idea they had, again, I'm sure they were prayerful, like you had said. They were, they've been prayerful. Nephi's righteous. He's trying to do what the Lord wants him to do. They're seeking the Spirit. Best idea they get is, let's go get all of our stuff. Let's take it in. Let's give it to them. Walking out of Jerusalem, running out of Jerusalem, I'm sure they were like, well, that, that didn't work. The Spirit wasn't with us. What, what are we doing, right? Or was he? Think about 11 years later, what is keeping Laman and Lemuel with Lehi and Nephi and Sam in, in the wilderness? They have nothing to go back to. There is no wealth. There is no property. There's nothing that their dad had created for them. Everything they had was given to Laban, who's now dead. So they couldn't even go to Laban and say, hey, give us our stuff back. You have it. I can prove it. Their stuff had been divvied up who knows where. There's nothing for them to go back to. Now, maybe that's not the only reason. Maybe that's not a reason that God had, but it could be a reason. Yeah. And so when we think about these, air quote, failed attempts, because I didn't feel goosebumps, I'm, I just assumed the Spirit wasn't there. Um, Elder Bednar goes through this, this exact story, and he, he references these experiences and says, why do we think the Spirit wasn't with them? And then he talks in our day, and he says, you and I partake of the sacrament every week where we are promised that the Spirit will be with us, that it will always be with us. And then we go throughout the week and we look for the Spirit and we try to do things so the Spirit can teach me. And, and we, when the Spirit comes to me in this one way, then I know the Spirit was there. And unless it comes to me in that way, the Spirit's probably not with me. Yeah. And yet we take the sacrament and our promise that the Spirit will always be with us as long as we're living worthy, worthily of it. And this idea that we have to gear ourselves up somehow to receive the Spirit is something Elder Bednar just beautifully goes through. There's this, there's this wonderful young teacher that raises her, he, he says, so what did you hear me say? And she he stands up. She says, well, I heard you say that when I'm living righteously of the Spirit and I'm working towards preparing my lessons, and she says, stop, stop, no. You are always in the Spirit. The Spirit is always with you. You don't have to gear up for it. You don't have to meet some criteria before the Spirit can talk to you. You can always have the Spirit to be with you. And even if you don't recognize it, it doesn't mean it's not there. Nephi and his brothers were being led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things that would happen. And it wasn't only until the very last attempt that Nephi looked back and says, Oh, now I know that the Spirit was with me because this time I got the plates. Yeah. But I don't know that he felt it that night yeah. anymore, especially at the beginning part of that night, right? I don't know that any more than the nights before he had felt it. I just, I think there's so much there to unpack now, to unpack and discuss as, like, how does yeah. that affect us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about it a little more because I think it's either, it might not be the same talk, but Elder Bednar says something along the lines of this. He says, maybe we should focus more on what drives the Spirit away from us yeah. rather than what brings the Spirit to us. Because yeah. we have that promise again. If we're, we're trying to live right, we have the promise that the Spirit will always be with us. Yeah. So pay attention, close attention to when 
we do something or we're in a situation or setting where the spirit leaves, yeah. right? And then we avoid those things. It might be more of available to us to identify because the spirit is so frequently with us. Yes, correct. That when it's gone, it's very evident. Yeah, correct. Right? I, I love that. I love that counsel. And the other thing I might say here is if my objective is to become like Jesus, right? I'm not going to do that in this life. I will always need the spirit to tell me, okay, this is the, where, the direction you're supposed to go. But as I get better at becoming like Christ, won't there be times where the Spirit doesn't come and tell me and it is my own thought? <laughs> like, isn't that the objective? Like, become your own person that can work through problems and, and do it right? And, and make good decisions without right. having to be warned, right? Right. Like, like, I think we talked about before, before we started recording, like when we were younger, right? We're getting warned oh, all the time. All the time. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't look over there. Right? I mean, all the time because I was constantly doing stupid stuff. Yeah. And, and, I, and it's a question that comes up so often in class. How do I know if it's me or the Spirit? How do I know if the Spirit's telling me to do something or it's me? And Elder Bednar would say, stop worrying about it. It, it just doesn't matter. If it's leading you to do good, then it's of God. Just do that thing. But then we start, we, we equivocate. We're like, well, okay, well, if it's a good, better, best thing, which one am I supposed to? Well, do the best thing. <laughs> Why are you questioning that, right? Uh, and I think we, we just have spent so much time trying to de decipher the Spirit, we've missed that the Spirit is always with us. And if I'm doing my best, and I'm, like Elder Bednar would say, being a good boy or being yeah. a good girl, I will have the Spirit with me, and I will make choices that will help me move forward. So let's take it back to young adult life, that 10-year that period. If you don't know what school you're supposed to go to, what major you're supposed to have, what uh, who you're supposed to date, now, all the things that are that tenure deciding stuff, do the things that help you accomplish your eternal objective, because that you know. Mm -hmm. What will help you become a provider if you're a guy? Or what will help you develop nurturing characteristics, Christ-like characteristics, if you're a, a, a woman? Can you study things that will help you, things that you're interested in that will help you develop those skills, those capacities? And in the process of doing that, you will find yourself maybe in a psychology class because you're like, I think I might be interested in psychology. And you're sitting in psychology and all of a sudden, that is not what you're supposed to be doing. And the spirit comes and you, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. This, right. isn't, my, this isn't my path. I'm supposed to go over here. Right. Well, the plates didn't get given to you that night. But it doesn't mean they're not going to. It doesn't mean you're not going to figure it out. You and just went a road, and that didn't work. And so you go somewhere else. Or, j just to add, or you're sitting in psychology class, and you realize, I'm not supposed to be in college. Yeah. I'm supposed to be working in, in this. In trade school, or I'm supposed to be working in this field. Whatever. Or I'm working in this job, and I realize, oh, I'm in the wrong field, right? Yeah. Or, or I can't. I can't support a family on this, and so I need to go back to whatever it may be, right? right? Yeah. Those quote-unquote failed attempts. Can, can I ask you? Can, I'm gonna. Can I ask you a question? Sure, go for you it. You and I know each other pretty well, so so I know some things about your life that uh, that I think might be very applicable here. Um, for those that don't know, Brother Stafford, Brother Stafford has a law degree. Went to law school. Done. Finished. Completed. Got a job after, and then realized this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you went clear through, I can provide, I can become, yep. and then at the end of it realized, wait a minute, this isn't how I get the plates. Right. Right? I'm supposed to do it this way. Right. I'm not getting the plates this way. <laughs> yeah, oh. so, my, so my story, as it relates to that, I'm still in the middle of it. Sure. In college, when I was choosing which school to go to, as I went on my recruiting visits, 
Um, the short of the story is this. I went to the, of, of the schools that, that I was considering and had offered to pay for my education through basketball, I, I chose the school that had, in my perception, the, the worst opportunity. Mm -hmm. The other schools were much better opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I chose that one because I truly felt like that's what God wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. When I prayed about it, I said, this doesn't make sense basketball-wise, it doesn't make sense with my education, it doesn't make sense from a dollars and cents perspective, but this is where I feel like the Lord wants me to go. So I go to that school. Well, my second day of class on campus, um, they pull me in, they say, we've made a terrible mistake. And um, long story short, because of some, some classes you took before your mission, you're not gonna be eligible to play basketball here as a senior. Oh no. And they said, don't worry about it. it. And because you're the second day of class, you can't transfer. You're, you're locked in for this, this year. And anyways, I said, don't worry about it. We'll petition and we'll, we'll try to make things work. And so I was just like, why am I here? I thought <laughs> I did what the Lord asked me to do. And here my career is going to be stifled. And I, like, I'm at the wrong place. I thought I did things right. Well, anyways... For whatever reason, I had enough wisdom through studying the scriptures to recognize that I just needed to have faith in the night when I received my answer. Mm -hmm. Things worked out for me. Went and played professionally two years in, in Germany. Came back, went to law school. What I can say today that I know for certain is that had I not gone to that college that I chose, mm -hmm. that I would not have ended up in law school. Yeah. I can say that with almost complete certainty. Yeah. I had experiences at that college that led me to have the confidence that I could attend law school mm. and, and succeed. Mm. So the reason I say I'm still in the middle of the story is because, so I go to law school, pass the bar, have my law license, practicing law, and then, whoa, we're gonna, we're gonna teach seminary. Mm. To this day, <laughs> I'm still uncertain as to why I have a law degree, <laughs> but, um, but, I, but, and I keep my bar license current. But the Lord has, he has plans. He has plans. And I still, you know, I'm, I'm 12 years away from that experience, and I still don't understand why I spent three years in law school with all the cost and mm -hmm. stress mm -hmm. and everything. And mm -hmm. I, I can point to some of the blessings from it, but I don't ultimately know yeah. that reason because I'm not really actively using my, my <clears throat> Yeah, and I, I love your story. I think your story is so powerful because it helps us identify that I think it would help a young adult, especially, identify. Hey, you may think you know what you're doing, even if you, even if you love the law and you get through your degree, the Lord might come to you the next week and say, "Hey, now I want you to go teach seminary and make a quarter of what you could make as a lost <laughs> as a lawyer in the first two years." Right? And uh, it, it, all of those things, you have to be willing to say, "Okay, I'll go do that." Um, patriarchal blessing. My patriarchal blessing has one line in it. I'll share, and it, and it just says. In your uh, course of employment, you will take direction from the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wow. And I thought, as a young person, I'm going to be the Tabernacle Choir Director. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah. And so I set my life up to do that. I got the same degrees that the Tabernacle Choir Director has. I, uh, I taught, taught at a prestigious high school in town with, the, with goals of going to the collegiate level and working my way into that sphere. And... And then, 10 years into teaching, I am hired by the church to teach seminary and institute, not really thinking about choir anymore. I was kind of done with that job. 
And my very first paycheck is signed by the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My direction totally comes from him. What I thought, because of my likes, my aspirations, that the Lord was going to use me, and he's using me in a completely different direction. Now, I don't know that I still couldn't go do that. I still have the same degrees. I'm conducting institute choirs. I'm doing things that maybe in some weird way gets me down that, down that path. I, I, those guys are so much more talented than me that it's not going to happen, but... But that I thought it was going to be a certain way. I was going to walk into Jerusalem. Laban was going to give me the plates. I was going to walk back home and be like, Dad, look what I got. Here you go. That's what I thought. And it yeah. wasn't that way. And it's okay. It's okay that it wasn't that way because I have so much better um, uh, capacity now than I would have had if I just stayed on the choir roll, right, down that road, right? It's just so different now. Yeah. So this idea, this, this concept that we're learning from this chapter is so much bigger than some, air quote, failed attempts, right? It, it is you accomplished what the Lord sent you to accomplish. You just didn't think it was at all what he wanted you to do, Yeah. right? But there are real reasons behind why you are failing, not failing. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And, and for, the, for the young adults during the decade, I call it the decade of decisions. I love it. Again, I come back to 1 Nephi 4, 6. Maybe just stop for a second. What we've talked about, what can we learn about the nature of our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, mm. from the discussion we've had in the last mm. seven minutes? Yeah, that's great. I, I would say that they have a bigger plan for me than I have for me, even if I understand the plan. Their scope, their, their willingness to let me struggle to become is so much bigger than my willingness to struggle. Uh, I love that they're willing to watch me flounder a little bit and not just fix the problem for me. Yeah. That's what they want to do. Their nature is to come and help and to sucker and aid, and, but they know what I will become if they don't. And so I'm able to, and allowed, to, to flounder a little bit. So I learn. Yeah. Mm. They let us struggle. They let us try. Never leave us alone, but... Yeah, and, and you taught us some, something in a training not too long ago about viewing what the Lord might view you as, thinking about how the Lord would look at an Ike Stafford for making the choices that you made. I think the Lord looks at Ike and weeps to see that you stepped away from a career in basketball that you loved, that you were very good at, that you probably could have done for a long period of time and provided highly for your family that you stepped away from a very lucrative career after probably putting yourself in all kinds of crazy debt so that you could provide for your family into a position to serve his children and make not the same amount of money, um, to have 10 children in that world. I think the Lord looks at Ike and is just so pleased with where you are, even if the, even if the, the, you're only on the third attempt. You don't know what the outcome's going to be yet, right? <laughs> Even if you're in the middle of it. What a tender way to, to view the Savior, right? How does he see you for making the choices you've made? You know, I, I very much appreciate the compliment. Um, I might add a couple of caveats to that. But, <laughs> um, but I, I, maybe more importantly, um, you know, the, the picture you just painted was very, very generous of me. And well, it's true. I, I won't correct it. There's some, <laughs> okay, some things good. need correcting in it, but I'm just going to let those go. And, and just just say this, I, I recognize this 
at every turn in my life where I have really, really tried to do what he wants me to do rather than what I want to do, when I have been able to get to that point where I'm like, okay, I want to do this, but I really feel like God wants me to do that, and I've had the strength and the wisdom and the courage to do what he wants me to do, mm. two things happen. First, miracles follow. Mm. He works miracles in my life. Secondly, the result is much better than what I, the, the blessings and the benefit and enjoyment of it is much higher than what I previously had planned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you still accomplished the thing that was the foundational thing he's saying you to do. You're providing for your family. Yeah. Right? You're, you're nurturing children. You're, you're protecting. You're all the things that are the foundation. You just went in a roundabout way to get it done. And it was all stuff that he wanted you to do. And it's not bad that you ended up in a different career than you thought you were going to do from the beginning. I just hope that, you know, young people listening would be okay where they are, that they'd, that they'd recognize that they don't have to have goosebump moments before they figure out what school they're supposed to so go to or, or what girl they're supposed to date, as if every girl you date is a failure. No, that's, that's not how the Lord would do that. He would have you date this girl to learn these things. Even if it's a two-year relationship that doesn't work out, that, you, that isn't a failed experience. That's an experience where you as a person are learning what you need in your eternal companion. It, it, it's not a failure. The Spirit's with you. The Spirit's teaching you. You're learning. You're growing. You're becoming. That's the objective. If it doesn't happen on your time frame or in your way, that's, that's why we came to earth, to learn what God's way is, because our way is very different. We Absolutely. want it very different. Absolutely. And, and can I just bounce off of that and go to, back to 1 Nephi chapter 4, sure. verse number 6. And I was led by the Spirit. We talked about that, yep. Nephi being led by the Spirit. We talked yep. quite a bit about that. Yeah. But we didn't talk too much about this, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Mm. And I think in that decade of decisions, and, it, and by the way, it doesn't change when you get as, as old as super old like me, but during that decade of decisions, there's a lot of times when we don't know what we should do. Yeah. But Nephi moves forward. I just can imagine him approaching the gate of the city yeah. or the wall of the city and it's dark, saying, I, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Mm -hmm. And in that decade of decisions, you have a lot of those opportunities where you're like, I don't know where to go from here, but I'm just gonna keep moving forward. Yeah. It's a challenge as a young adult, because I can remember this and you got married relatively young, very young compared right. to me, right? It was right off your mission, right? off right? my mission, yeah. Three months old. Yeah, so um, your experience is a little different than mine, but I can remember, you know, like extended family members or like people back home asking me about, you know, how it's particularly with dating. Oh, how are things going with, with, with that? Oh, how's this going? Oh, yeah. and my wife, Jackie, this is a story from another time, but my wife, Jackie, decided to go on a mission rather than marry me. And then <laughs> when she came back, she was ready to get married, right? But um, and back then you're an old guy. Yeah. At 20, how old were you? When you got I was 25. Yeah, that's an, that's an old guy. Back yeah, in the day. it was. Yes. <laughs> and so I mean, these are perceived failed attempts, sure. right? And when you're in that decade of decisions, and you're in the midst of this, you know, Nephi's second failed attempt. If yeah. anybody had interviewed Nephi right after they ran away and they're in the caves getting beat by the brothers, you know, mm -hmm. if anybody had mm -hmm. interviewed Nephi, hey, how's this going for you, Nephi? <laughs> Working out great? <laughs> Sailing. <laughs> right? And I feel like sometimes, I can remember back being in that young adult stage, 
and as I was trying to figure out my career and people asking me about those things, and it's painful to talk about mm -hmm. those failed attempts, mm -hmm. but they have a purpose, yeah. as you've talked about. God has a purpose for us in those. Yeah, I love that. You know, just maybe to quickly get through this chapter, there's some summaries, some things here. Um, he goes back and gets a Zoram. Um, the Zoramite people come from the, the lineage of Zoram. And this even might seem like a, well, I had to because it was like the guard that I had to get the plates from. And But there's just some interesting things if we read. Yeah, it's very fascinating. You know, read through 20, from verse 21, chapter 4, through 24. Uh, Zoram kind of supposed this was Laban. He was dressed like Laban. But Nephi doesn't ever lie. He never lies to him. He speaks, and, and, and the Lord allows Zoram to hear Laban. Somehow that happened. Um, he asks questions. Um, he spake unto him that I should carry the engravings which were upon the plates of brass to my elder brethren who were without the walls. That's true. Straight true. And he supposed that he was talking about like the brethren in the church or whatever, right? And uh, so I think there's just some, some integrity you see in, in Nephi here that even though he's kind of deceiving, there's no lying coming out of his mouth. Yeah, that's pretty generous. <laughs> that's pretty generous. Certainly not lying, but definitely yeah. some deception. Yeah, definitely oh, for some sure. deception. Yeah. And what I think is fascinating about this, maybe I can just comment briefly, is of all the miracles that happen, like, I try to play this out in my brain. Like, how in the world does this happen? This might be one of the greatest miracles. Oh, yeah. In the, maybe the greatest miracle in this story. The fact that he's able to put on Laban's clothes and that his servant, his trusted servant, for whatever reason, maybe there's things culturally, maybe he wasn't able to look at him. I don't right, know. Yeah. But how in the world is he able to convince Pull that off. To pull that off. Well, and, and then thinking farther, like, and going back to what we've been talking about, about how it's always part of the Lord's plan. Zoram. Yep. It is one more guy in a family, a whole bunch of guys as far as we know. Fast forward one or two chapters, and that extra guy is needed when you get the daughters of Ishmael. Absolutely. There needs to be somebody for this other daughter. And Zora marries one of the daughters of Ishmael, right? It was part so, of the plan. So it was all part of the plan from the very beginning. And, and maybe in the moment, Nephi's like, okay, we've got to figure out how to get this guy with us. Be on board with us, or, or we will slay you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, in his mind, he's like, this is a problem. But in the Lord's mind, he's like, that's the plan. This is part of the, this is part of what's necessary so that you'll all have spouses and this family will be cared for the same as your family will be cared for, right? I, I just love, I just love as we read through here, things that we've read and we read so many times in our, li in our life um, that if we just slow down and we think a little bit and we study a little deeper, um, there's a lot in here for us to to come back to again and again and again and again in our lives. I'm grateful that it's something I read multiple times, more often and maybe yeah. more frequently than anything else in the scriptures. Uh, and, and probably by design that was done, right? Absolutely. Lord knows what he's doing. Lord knows what he's doing. Anything in chapter five we want to just touch on before we close things up? Yeah, I think we absolutely need to. So in summary, what happens in chapter five is Nephi's mother, Sariah, Lehi's wife, complains. Is yeah. like, my sons have been gone too long. They've been killed. <laughs> Lehi bears down with testimony and, and pacifies his wife, who's understandably very upset. <laughs> but then what happens is they come back. They would come with the plates. Sariah, of course, says, I know that the hands of God's been in this. And then they immediately, they do two things. The first thing they do, verse number nine, <laughs> And it came to pass that they did rejoice exceedingly and did offer sacrifice and burnt offerings unto the Lord mm -hmm. and gave thanks unto the God of Israel. So the first thing they do 
is they worship and give thanks. And they live the law of Moses. They live the law of Moses. They do yep. the law, right? I mean, they, yep. maybe it goes back to what we talked about before. Yep. And then look at the very next step, verse 10. Will you read that one? And after they had given thanks unto God of Israel, my father Lehi took the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, and he did search them from the beginning. Study the scriptures. That's the very next thing. Give thanks and then search. Mm -hmm. um, and in the rest of this chapter, the, the ending part of the chapter in particular, there's this discussion. Verse number 21, and we had obtained, Nephi is giving a summary of the story, and he mm -hmm. says, and we had obtained the records which the Lord had commanded us, and searched them, and found that they were desirable, yea, even of great worth unto us, insomuch that we could preserve the commandments of the Lord unto our children. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, it was wisdom in the Lord that we should carry them with us. Mm -hmm. He knew what he was doing from the very beginning, right? Well, Brother Stafford, this has been a treat uh, to be with you and to learn with you. And, and um, maybe, maybe to find relevance for our lives, maybe relevance that is uh, applicable to all of us, but maybe most applicable during that time of life where so many formative choices are made, being made. Be patient with the Lord. Wait on Him. Um, and, and know that the Spirit's with you. Just because you're not feeling it and recognizing it doesn't mean it's not directing everything you're doing. Absolutely. And uh, that the Lord's still pleased with where you are, what, what choices you're making, as long as they're righteous, faithful choices, right? What uh, would you share to the young people? If you could say one thing and just they would believe it, if it could just enter them and, and be stuck to them forever. Stuck with them forever? Forever. Absolutely, undoubtedly, Jesus is the Christ. Yep. Turn to him. He is the greatest. He is the only source of lasting peace and joy, as the prophet has talked about. Yeah. Turn to Jesus Christ. That's one thing. Can I give him a second? Please. Our prophet, um, you know, on this topic of not knowing what to do, mm -hmm. our prophet, his first talk to the, the church generally as prophet, he says, what will you be seeking what wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? Mm -hmm. The prophet's asking these questions at General Conference. And then he says, follow the example of the prophet Joseph. Find a quiet place where you can regularly go. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to your heavenly Father. Turn to him for answers and for comfort. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses. Yes, the very longings of your heart. And then listen. Write the thoughts that come to your mind. Record your feelings and follow through with the actions you are prompted to take. To the young adults, I would say this. If you have things in your life that are troubling you or you don't know how to proceed, will you please follow the counsel of our prophet? Mm. I have done this. I have what he has prescribed here. I have found a quiet place. I have written down the thoughts about my fears and my weaknesses. Mm. And I have listened and I have recorded and I have followed through still working on these things. But I have been astounded at the miracles that have come into my life as I followed this counsel of our prophet. There's the recipe. And of course it comes through the Savior Jesus Christ and all the joy comes through him. Yeah. Brother Stafford, thank you. Can we have you back? Please, I love it. <laughs> this has been fun. Thanks brother, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>